you know, that's not intentional. I'm not trying to ignore you. I, I would love to meet you if I haven't met you yet. Um, but we also have a lot of other great staff. I know Mark uh, and uh, Shannon, they, they both would love to meet you. We're not a church where the people that stand up here are unapproachable or untouchable in any way, okay? So I just want to make sure you know that. Um, we, we try to make this a place where you are more, more than welcome, that this really is a place for family to meet, to gather, to worship, and to pray. By the way, Gordon, I, I can't believe you're sitting here this morning. I, I mean, not because, but dude, you had a heart attack Monday. Praise God that you're sitting here. Can you just... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. His hands might not be raised yet, but we might get them there. I tell you what. Gordon, it is good to have you here, and we, we thank God for the, the healing that he's already given you, and we'll pray again a little bit later this morning for God's continued healing there. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? Gracious Father, we come before you as your humble servants, and we thank you, Lord, for your word. We ask, Lord, this morning as we open up your word that, um, that it would teach us and that we would be able to learn, that we would be able to apply, and that we would be able to have hearts that are truly moldable moldable by your spirit. And so, Lord, we ask that you would send your spirit, that he may open up our hearts and minds, that in all that we do the rest of this week, would it bring your name, honor, and glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So I got an email this week from one of our members <clears throat> who said, uh, Pastor Dyer, I dearly love you and I love your sermons, but could you please quit kicking me in the backside every Sunday? I say, you know, I, I want to write that back and go, well, I'm not picking on you specifically. And, and I've had this conversation with him before. He said, you know, earlier this summer, he'd moved into a new rental house. And uh, being in that new rental house, he was actually outside enjoying some of the summer weather and had decided he wanted to try to make an impact in the front lawn, right? So he's going to plant some flowers. He's going to kind of do some very handy things that are not normal for him. And so as he began to do that, the, uh, the neighbor next door was like, what are you doing? He's like, oh, I'm planting some flowers. Well, I don't, I don't, those aren't going to grow very tall. Are they? I look out that window and I don't want to... I don't want to be able to see your stuff. I want to be able to see out and look. And he's like, dude, you need to take a chill. But you don't tell me you moved in here. I have lived here a lot longer. You know? And you can kind of hear, right? You feel the tension rising. Well, this goes on throughout the entire summer to the point where our member has to call the cops because the guy goes, I'll kill you if you, I mean, now, so now it's getting serious, right? When, when you got to call the cops and go, look, my neighbor's nuts. Attention rises, attention expands, right? And he goes, and all of a sudden, you start preaching on who needs a second chance. Great. Well, I know he's not talking about my neighbor because he doesn't need a service. He goes, you know, that's the gut feeling, right? He's well, talking about somebody else that needs a second chance because it's not my neighbor that needs a second chance. And yet, since then, he has gone to that neighbor and begun to patch up a relationship that's been broken from the very beginning. You see, that's what the Word of God's supposed to do. That's what's supposed to happen. When we're being the church, it usually starts with us. That being the church realizes that we have to be given second chances. That we live in grace and peace and mercy. That we live 
with being forgiving kinds of people, that we are the people that live by God's law, by choice, because we want to be guided and, and act in a way that's God-pleasing. We want to live in such a way that we actually receive God's grace and that we give that out. So that's what being the church is all about. Being the church is actually living this stuff in such a way that our neighbors not only become the recipients of it, but they're blessed by it. I know I've preached about being on your front porch. I know some families that have now poured concrete for brand new front porches. Yeah. I've known people that instead of sitting and having dinner inside on a regular basis, they now sit outside so that they can at least interact with their neighbors. I, I know people who have begun to increase their weekly budget at the liquor store so as to be able to love their neighbors, okay? And, and I don't mean drink the bottle of wine and then go over and talk. I mean actually share a beverage, okay? I mean, the people are making real life changes here in our community. And that's what we mean when we talk about being the church, Okay, so it's great that you come and worship. It's great that you see old friends each and every week. It's great that we take Holy Communion. It's great that we give God honor and praise. But what's even better is when you leave this place, you actually put it into action. Because I will guarantee you that is exactly what Paul has in mind when he writes to Timothy, is that he expects God's people to put this into practice. So this morning, I am going to go verse by verse through this, but we're going to read through these seven verses out loud together at my pace, all right? And that way, those of you that brought your own Bibles or, or your laptops or whatever, you're going to power those up, or iPads, or you're going to get those out and get them ready. But here we go, together, out loud. I urge then, first of all, that requests, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for everyone. For kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases God our Savior, who wants all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all men, the testimony given in its proper time. And for this purpose, I was appointed a herald and an apostle. I am telling the truth, I'm not lying, and a teacher of the true faith to the Gentiles. It's good to practice reading God's Word out loud. Uh, I don't know if that's a part of your daily devotion um, uh, routine, but reading God's Word out loud, it, it does something to the soul. As I mentioned before, the strings, right? When the strings are played, those low notes, they kind of reverberate in the soul. Well, hearing God's word is another great way in your personal devotion time to, to help God's word resonate with you as well. So what does it mean that Paul says here, I urge then, first of all, that requests, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for everyone? Well, first of all, let me describe something here for you. This word requests. Some of you may have a different version uh, in your Bible if you've got the King James especially. The word is supplication. We don't use that word very much uh, anymore. Maybe you grew up in churches where, where the pastor kind of used that. We've got prayers of supplication, right? 
And that kind of sounds foreign to us, but let me explain that a little bit. The word supplication comes from the word supple. Things that are easily moldable, they're, they're, um, they're humble. If something is supple, it, it, it goes back into place the way it was supposed to be. Skin that is supple uh, has a quality to it that you can kind of pinch it and it, and it goes back. to to the way it was. You see, suppleness is at our core of who God created us to be. And what I mean by that is He created us to be humble and moldable. That He created us to have a prayer life that actually takes direction from God. And so when He says, I urge then, first of all, that supplication be made. These are these kinds of prayers. Dear Lord, open my heart to my neighbor Dear Lord, give me, give me courage to speak to my family about God. Prayers of supplication sound like this. God, show me in your word how you want me to live. God, take the sin that is in my life and make me aware of it so that I can confess it, so that I can turn from it, be forgiven, and that I can live a different life. That's supplication. So Paul here encourages, yep, this is how we're going to pray. I want to make sure that you add to your kinds of prayer that God mold you that he shaped me, that he creates in me as a believer, as a disciple, as a son of God, a willingness for him to make me who he wants me to be. Prayers of supplication don't sound like this. Dear Lord, change my wife's heart, would you? (laughs) Dear Lord... (laughs) If you could make my kids more obedient, it'd be awesome. Those are not prayers of supplication. Those are prayers of intercession, which we'll get to later, okay? (laughs) But we're going to talk about the proper way to look at that. First of all, the prayers of supplication, intercession, and thanksgiving be given and made for everyone. For everyone. That we should be praying that our life is built around praying, praying without ceasing, be joyful always, pray continually. I mean, there's just Bible verse after Bible verse after Bible verse that we are called to be in a state of prayer. Now, not while you're driving with your eyes closed, let's leave your eyes open, but but you can still be praying, praying continuously without ceasing, that we would have the thoughts and the desires of God on our hearts to the point that we're praying and we're interceding. We're we're asking God, God, step into the life of our neighbors, that you pray by name for the unbelievers that you're aware of, that you know that every time you spend in prayer that God is actually listening. He does. God listens to your prayers. Now, again, we're not show-off prayers. No, Jesus warns us, hey, make sure you do this in private, in secret, if you will. This is not about a show. Don't stand on the corner so that everyone sees how holy you are. 
This is not, you know, thumbing your nose at the people at work that go to take their 15-minute break outside, right? You know what I'm talking about? And you go, well, I'm just going to go over here, and um, during your 15-minute smoke break, I'm going to be praying to the Lord. That, that's showing off. That's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about a prayer life that says, I genuinely want to lift up intercessory prayers. I genuinely want God to make me supple, humble. And I genuinely want to give him thanksgiving in everything that he's done. It's one of my favorite sections when we send out prayer requests during the week is when we pray for people in thanksgiving, right? And when we say, God, hey, thanks for watching over Gordon. Can't believe this. Major heart attack. Here he goes. God, thanks for being with people that have had surgery this week. Thanks, thanks for being with my family. Thanks for sitting with my mom while she had chemo again this week. It's those kinds of things where you take the opportunity to just say, God, thank you. That prayer isn't only and always about, God, could you get me the promotion could you help us with our finances? Could you bring us more work? Could you change people around me? You know, it, it's, it's not that kind of prayer life that is always asking for the intercessory thing, but a prayer life that's encouraging and lifting up and full of thanksgiving. Now, Paul gets into here really quickly, verse 2, who should we be praying these things for? Especially, he brings it down to, verse 2, for kings and all of those in authority. Huh, huh, praying for kings and all of those in authority. How many of you, before the uh, uh, first two debates for our uh, presidential, spent time on your knees in prayer asking for God's blessing of our two candidates? Huh, not a whole lot of hands up. Oh no, we were praying. Oh Lord, if you could strike down both candidates simultaneously. Could you give us a way out? Oh, Lord. I mean, you start to get a real southern kind of, oh, God, the Spirit descend upon us. Would you, Lord Jesus, be a favor for us? Would you bring us two new candidates? You know, I mean, it's just, you get real Pentecostal all of a sudden. That's, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about prayers of suppleness. that you would allow yourself to be led. Prayers of intercession that God would protect and guard them. Prayers of thanksgiving. You realize what a blessed nation we are to have choice, albeit maybe not great choices we think, Right? Or challenging choices, or no, man, I'm, I'm good with one of these, and one of these people's got to go. I mean, you could be very much in the middle. You could be, I'm tired of it all. But you realize we, have, we are in need of giving thanks to God for the system we have that we can vote. There are plenty of nations, there are plenty of countries that are simply told, this is your leader with no say. Now, why would God do that? Because he knows for himself that if I can get you to pray for the earthly leaders that are over you, 
then you've got a heart that's more inclined towards Him. It's not about liking leaders. It's about honoring them. And that can be a challenge because when, when a leader says something you don't like, when a leader votes something in you don't, or signs or doesn't sign or, or any of these kinds of things, our first inclination and reaction is the sinner self inside that says, I'm not following that. I'm not doing that. Right? How many of you have justified that the speed limit is way too low? Exactly. And so you say to yourself, I'm a good driver. I know what I'm doing here. This road should be 65, not 40. What are these silly people thinking? I will prove to them how capable this road is of handling 65 miles an hour. Right? The sirens come up, the lights come on, and you're reminded. doesn't matter what I think. There's an authority over me. There is. I think the reason God has us pray for the leaders in society is because he says, you've got a hard heart. I mean, really. Sometimes we say, well, it's easy for me to submit myself to God because he's holy and I know that even if I don't like his decisions, that I, I trust him. Well, what he's saying here too is I want you to trust the leaders that put over you. This is good and pleases God our Savior that we pray for our leaders. Now, some of you have asked before, where do you get this phrase, God-pleasing? All right, so men, you know most of this. Uh, this is from my friend, Pastor Paul, uh, down in Texas, Katy, Texas. He's at a church down there, and we bring him up for our men's retreats to lead worship. He has this phrase, that's, that's God-pleasing, okay? And, the, and again, some of you know where this phrase comes from. He, while he was a student pastor at our first church, we worked together, and he went into 7-Eleven before staff meeting, and he came back, and he had this glow about him. I mean, it was like this moment that he had had with an angel of the Lord. I mean, that's how he looked. His countenance was so bright. And he said, uh, I said, Paul, what's going on? He goes, do you know that there is a machine in 7-Eleven that dispenses chili and cheese at the push of a button? <laughs> he said, oh, that the Lord put it in the heart of man to create a machine that would dispense chili and cheese. He worshiped, right? I mean, he did. He said, that's God-pleasing. Well, this is, this is the Bible verse where that phrase comes from. This pleases God. That's God-pleasing. Is that your life to others around you? Because if we're going to be the church to the people around do they say, man, you are God-pleasing? I practice in the morning. My wife can attest to this. I stand in front of the mirror and I go, uh, uh, you are God-pleasing. Don't you die on me too soon, good looking. <laughs> Just a little self-talk that I work on in the morning. No, but see, the point is, is to be God-pleasing. To be God-pleasing means that you act, that you talk, that you give, that you serve, that you do everything in your rising and in your sitting, in your eating, in your playing, in everything that you do. Is it God-pleasing? Are the words that come out of your mouth that praise God one minute, are they the same kind of words two minutes later when somebody cuts you off? Is the wave of your hand just as friendly as when you want to tell somebody they're number one? 
are we God-pleasing? You see, the church has been called to be the church at all times, to be God-pleasing. This is good and pleases God our Savior who, verse 4, wants all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Now this word's mankind, who wants all mankind, men and women alike, to be saved. This is God's desire. He did not just have it for white people. He didn't just have it for black people. He doesn't have salvation just for a, a certain country. God sent his son Jesus Christ to die the death that all mankind deserves. And it does not matter where you live or where you come from or what political system you're a party to. He does not care what church you belong to so long as you confess the name of Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. He desires that all men would be saved. He even wants Jews to be saved and Muslims to be saved. He does. He wants Mormons to be saved and Catholics and Methodists and Presbyterians and Baptists and Lutherans even. He wants all mankind to be saved. Unfortunately, a portion of mankind rejects that. A portion of mankind turns away from that. A portion of mankind is not supple to God and says, I'll think of God however I want to. I'll worship him whenever I want to and however I want to. And so people don't live in salvation because they go their own way. And that's not what we hear you see, the reason being the church, being active in prayer is because we're praying for salvation of the people around us. And we better look like we live as people who are saved. Not people that walk around going, well, I, I mean, I think I'm saved. Well, how do you, why do you say you think I'm saved? Well, I go to church, kind of. That, that's not why you're saved. Well, I was baptized. Well, again, faith comes in that baptism, and baptism saves you. But if, but if you're not growing in faith, folks, then you're just relying upon some old thing. Faith is active and living. It's, just, it's a thing to be fed, to be nourished, to be encouraged. And that's part of what we do in worship. But the idea is that you leave from worship being fed and nourished, filled up, encouraged, so that you can live a different life. So that when you are being the church, people around you go, that salvation thing kind of sounds good. Rather than the normal view of Christians, right? Turn or burn! Like we're just standing on the street corner. You all better go find Jesus or you're going to hell. I've never known that once to have a good positive effect. Not once. Rather, what I find is that Christians are uniquely placed in their days to lift up and encourage not just unbelievers, but believers as well. I got an email uh, that I read this morning. It happened sometime this week, and one of our members was traveling, and on the plane ride back, encountered the guy sitting next to her, uh, uh, got into a conversation. Again, uh, this member kind of led forth and said, hey, uh, you know, here's the word. Here's who I am. I'm a Christian, and found out that this believer had come to faith as an adult, and this guy was floored. I, 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 I've never met someone quite like you. Well, you were like a good girl growing up, right? And, and you just kind of came to faith. And she was like, no, I've hurt people. And he's like, you mean with your words? No. 
intentionally. I've hurt people. And he was floored. And as they began to talk, the encouragement that came out was, do you know what God does? God redeems people that have hurt people. He gives grace and mercy and peace. The man that got up after the plane ride was over just said, I I am so blessed, I am so encouraged to have sat next to you today. It's just good to hear the story of God's redemptive work. That's what we're talking about when it says that God wants all men to be saved. Verse 5, for there's one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all mankind, the testimony given in its proper time. That's what I mean by the testimony. So what's the testimony? What's your testimony? Some of you go, look, I'm down in the pits. I'm not sure that there is a testimony. You know what? That's even a testimony. I'm I'm in the pit of life right now, and I know that God is sustaining me. That's my testimony. See, I just gave you a testimony in about 10 words or less. What's the testimony? Well, I thank God that I was on the right side of the grass this morning. That's a testimony, right? Because you know your life kind of stinks right now. You're not in good health. And you know what? God saw fit to have you be alive. So what's your testimony? And I know this is going to freak you out, but if you don't practice, if you don't start going, what are the blessings? What, what is this all about? I'm telling you, in the moment's notice, when it's an opportune time to speak into the lives of the people around you, you're going to fumble it. You got to practice. All right, so turn to the person next to you. Here you go. Come on. Go. Turn to the person next to you. And if you're sitting by yourself, that's why some of you sit by yourself because you say, I'm not going to talk to anybody. No, no. You get to join in with somebody right now. Move down. Talk to somebody. All right. You know who your partner is? All right. So I'm going to be quiet for about 30 seconds here. And you're both going to think for 30 seconds. No one's talking. We're just going to be quiet for 30 seconds. And I want you to say something that you are absolutely thankful for that has happened today. Today, a blessing from God, just something you're thankful for, because that's going to start out your practice of what is a testimony. Silence. So I lied, 10 seconds, go. All right, now cut that out. Okay, stop. Come on. Come back here. All right? This is not hard, right? If you just think of it in terms of what, are, what is God's blessing, okay? Now I want you to turn to a person. I want you to share one thing. I, um, I'm struggling with and fill in the blank because this is part of testimony. I'm struggling with and then fill in the blank. Share with this person what you're struggling with. It might not be sin. It might be something of God's truth, but share with them. Just real quick, three, four words. What are you struggling with? Go. All right, now here's your chance. You've heard a blessing. You've heard something they're struggling with. 
In the next 20 seconds, I want you to pray for each other, and I want you to thank God for their thankfulness, their blessing, and I want you to ask God to intercede on behalf of the thing that they're concerned about. Just grab their hand and pray with them. Do that now. For this very purpose, God used you today to be a herald, someone who proclaims to the people around you the good news and the blessing of salvation in Jesus Christ. You see, when you just prayed for someone, you practiced, you put into practice what we're talking about. And again, God blesses this that is done, this one-on-one. See, it doesn't matter if a thousand people are praying for that prayer request or if it's one, because God, right, listens to the prayer of a righteous person. And this is the impact that you can make. This is why being the church will literally be transformative for your life and for countless people that you will meet. Amen. We bow your heads.